You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. Season 2, Episode 13. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio or wherever you hear this fucking podcast. To hear the promo bumper music we play on the podcast, search Punk Theology on Spotify. If you like the bands, follow the bands. And get notifications on vinyl merch or concert date reminders when they come to your town. Again, search Punk Theology on Spotify and follow our playlist. You, you're listening to Punk Theology. Thank you for. Yeah, everybody's here. We're all here. here. To make it. We're, the gang's all here. That's right. We all decided. Yeah, I had to pencil you guys in. Oh, yeah. That's all right. Canceled some subscriptions. Things happen. Yeah. So we were gonna talk about grief because I went through. I'm going through some grief, and it's 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 pretty intense. So a fr- I get a call on Friday, and uh, it's my friend Dave's wife, and she calls on his phone. And so it's Saturday, I'm working, you know, and Karen calls. And I go, Dave, hey, buddy, how's it going? And usually it's followed by some, how the fuck are you, man? You know, Dave, my buddy Dave. And I've known this guy since I was probably 15, I think, if I trace it back. Um, And Karen's just sobbing. And I said, what's the matter? She goes, well, I have some bad news. Dave passed away Friday night. And I'm like, what? No, you know. And 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 then I said, I'm so, Karen. I'm so sorry. Um, it's weird. It's just how I reacted to it, and it just didn't really hit me. What and was so weird I, about it? What was weird about it is I accepted a ride, and then I'm going to pick up this guy. <laughs> and so I pull in, and she's just crying. And I go, I go, what happened? And she said, well, he was having chest pains, and he thought it was like heartburn or whatever, and. And then it started going down his arm. Mm-hmm. When it started going down his arm, she goes, we call the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And they live up in Granite Falls, which, you know, here in the Seattle area is, is out in the sticks. And and it just took too long to get to the fucking hospital, I guess. I don't know. Um, and he passed away on the way to the hospital. So he was 53. You know, it was just totally unexpected. You know, I'm, I talk with this guy before. Text. I still have his text on my phone. I've known him for years, and we just kind of got reconnected about, I don't know, about 10 years ago. We didn't talk for a long time. Um, and really kind of hit it off. And and so, so I, you know, I'm picking up this guy. Like, So I'm an Uber and Lyft driver, right? I pull into this place. The guy's getting in my car. I go, Karen, I got to go. I'm picking up a passenger, which is weird. Like I should have just fucking canceled ride. Like and went crazy. Home. But some part of me is like hanging on to this. I've got to do this for whatever fucking reason. And then I slide the thing across because we never know where we're going until we pick someone up. 
And the guy's going to the fucking airport from Linwood, you know, which is about a 45-minute ride. Um, and I drive the guy to the airport, and all these thoughts are going through my head, like, wait a minute, is this, am I getting punked? You know, is this bullshit? I knew it wasn't just from her emotional reaction. Um, so I drop him off at the airport, and I call my wife, and I tell my wife what happened. Because she knew Dave too, and you know we have all we're all friends and hang out, and, and she starts crying, and then I start crying, and and she goes, "Well, are you coming home?" And I go, "Well, I just accepted another ride at the airport because I had another ride while I was at the airport." And I'm pulling into the parking garage, and she goes, "Well, why don't you just cancel the ride?" I go, "Well, we kind of need the money." What the fuck is that, right? Yeah. So I pull into the I pull into the fucking parking garage. I'm bawling my fucking head off at that point after talking with my wife. And uh, and I and I'm like cancel. <laughs> I just canceled the ride and went home. And this hit me like so. My mom died a, a few years ago, and and this hit me harder than my mom mm. because my mom had dementia and she was kind of going for a while. You know, it was about two years of her sort of slowly fading out. And yeah, when she finally passed, it was a big deal, but. Like, this, it wasn't like Dave, you know. Like, Dave's my buddy. Um, and I have all these weird uh, things, these triggers, you know. Just memories, any memory of him. Where my car, you know, I had an issue. Like, the same fucking day that I find out this news, I have an issue with my van. It was a little battery thing, you know. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe I should call Dave. No, no, Dave's not here. You know, Dave's mm-hmm. not with us anymore. I'm like, fuck. And then you had a you had a social get together that night, which is also weird because the same night my mom died, it was your birthday. We were <laughs> to get yeah. together. Remember that? Yeah, you didn't come to my birthday party. I didn't come to your birthday party. Rightfully so, by the way. Passed, <laughs> yeah. And then Dave passed, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go to Johnson and and watch the fight. I know it was good to get away. Yeah, it was good to have you over. Mm-hmm. And you and your wife were great afterwards. You know, I fucking cried again like a baby. No, dude. Not at all. But that's, you know, I guess that's... So I'm an ex-addict. I know that's controversial. I'm in addict circles. You're supposed to call yourself an addict for the rest of your life. And I'm, like, <coughs> I'm kind of like, fuck that. I don't know if that's super healthy. Call yourself an addict for the rest of your life. Um, but I remember thinking that. Like, I'm going to go to John's. And if I get drunk, I get drunk, you know? Because there's always lots of beer and, and whiskey and stuff. And and I didn't. Uh, and there's this weird thing in me. And you guys can ask anything, by the way. I'm not going to... If I fucking lose it, I'm cool. I mean, I love you guys and trust you guys. And I can be vulnerable with you guys. And you can ask anything. Um, but I... I, uh, I guess I, I'm... I'm fairly proud of myself for how I'm processing this. What's fucked up about it is I just keep fucking... What's fucked up and good about it is I keep crying, you know? And I think in the past I used to just stuff that shit and try and numb it. How was that fucked up? To not cry? To not cry. To not cry? Yeah. I would have to use chemicals to do it, you know, or... Stuff it down. Stuff it down or something, or be angry or Mm -hmm. an asshole. Uh, but mostly it was chemical addictions, you know, drugs or whatever. And 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 now it's like, and I've talked about that for years in addiction circles, you know, getting to the point of not wanting to. And I didn't want to stuff it now. Like I, for some reason, I don't want to stuff it now. 
Not because I should or ought to not stuff it, just because like it just feels natural to let it kind of flow through me now. Where before, uh, I would have to stuff it in order to survive. I think there's some survival mechanism attached to it. It's a huge survival mechanism. Yeah, yeah. And I think it it hits a, a pause button. I was talking to a friend of mine, Jake, who uh, he, he was. He said that he did uh, grief counseling for a while. He's a therapist, and he was talking about he did a grief group for a while, and that's one of the things he said. He was in a group, and this guy was saying, "Hey, I keep my mom died like three years ago, and I'm still really sad about it." And, really, and he. And Jake's like, well, how much do you drink? And the guy's like, yeah, well, I'm an alcoholic, you know. And he says, well, there you go, you know. You're just hitting his pause button on it. Mm. You're hitting the pause button on your grief. Like, you just got to feel it. Well, that's one thing I have noticed when I go into some of my traumas and bring up issues, memories that trigger me. Mm. Is it's like it was yesterday. Because mm. I never dealt with it. There's no time for trauma. Yeah. You know, until you process it. It's just going to be there like it just happened. Yeah. So you crying is fabulous. Just today I saw a fucking car, you know, this old car. I can't remember if it was Dave's mom or Dave that had it back in the day. And there's a cool old Barracuda. It's all fucking falling apart and something. But, it, you know, there's one of those thoughts that came in my head. I was, you know, I should call Dave or whatever. Then write me a Dave. And then I was like, oh, Dave's not here. And then my mind goes, wait, Dave's not here? Like it doesn't make sense. But he's not, you know, he's he's not with us anymore. He's not on this planet anymore. How would you compare that with how you processed our friend Leo's passing? Leo was a little different because uh, Leo was very in tune with his pain, where I don't think Dave was as gotcha. much, you know. Gotcha. And and that's another thing. Like he started getting into it a little bit. Like mm. he started talking about some of it, and we had some good conversations. We walked around uh, Green Lake one day, not around the whole fucking lake because we're a couple of fat guys. So we're not gonna do that. <laughs> but but we did walk, <laughs> you know, around Green Lake a little bit, and we talked about you know just kind of meaning of life shit, and uh, and it was really good. We talked about you know social distortion lyrics, <laughs> a few songs by that band that. That him and I, you know, just in our our uh, midlife shit, you know, like oh yeah, you know, that's that resonates. Um, but I think the difference between Leo, so Leo was a guy that Steve and I knew at Mars Hill. Leo was another recovery guy. Uh, Leo was religious. I mean, Leo was a, a believer, and where Dave wasn't. Um, I don't want to share too much of Dave's story, but he has some really fucked up spiritual abuse as a young person that that he's like, yeah, fuck church and mm-hmm. pastors and spiritual authority and all that stuff, you know. Uh, so I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like telling a it's like telling a kid who's been molested by a priest that he should go back to Catholic school or well, like fuck that. You know? So why does that make things different? Why does it make it different? Yeah that but that Leo is more uh, Leo knew, Leo saw it coming. Maybe yeah. That's Leo, what it was. Had, Leo had for like cancer, and he saw it coming, and he kind of prepared me and, and a lot of uh, people for it. I mean, this just happened out of fucking nowhere, you know. 
like one day I'm texting him, we're talking about getting tacos, and and the next he's he's just gone. So I'm keeping it together, which I didn't know I'd be able to do. What is recording? What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know because I don't care if I fucking lose it at this point. Keeping um, it together is allowing yourself to lose. I'm a lot. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and not I have like, not chemically, but just yeah, yeah. I guess maybe I'm here with friends. I know you guys, and this isn't like a, I don't know, like church or some shit where I don't know everybody, and I'm just supposed to share fucking my loss or pain with a bunch of strangers, and we're gonna pray about it or some shit. This is this is this is you guys, and it's it feels real, you know. Well, it, it was cool having you there. That night, and of course, you know, if you didn't come, that would be fine too. I mean, yeah. just whatever you, you think is best. But yeah, I was we lit a candle for Dave. Yeah, John has like a. Let's explain what that is. Your Orthodox thing. <laughs> um, it's common for people that are Orthodox to have a what's called a prayer corner, like an altar in the house with icons and candles. And um, it, for us, left we just lit a our our, our, our candle, our prayer lamp, and. Mm-hmm. And there's a, we, we have prayer books, and one of them is just a prayer for the dead. So we've said a prayer uh, for Dave, like a, like a prayer for the dead for Dave. And, and that's, that's also a reminder, I think, of, of um, I think, why people, myself included, find some comfort in liturgy. It's like, you know, you don't need to muster the words yourself. They're already there. Mm-hmm. And just kind of take comfort and rest in, in the words that are already there and, and put yourself in them and... So we said that prayer and lit the candle, and Rush just cried, and you know we just embraced, and and that, that's what grief is supposed to be. And I, I was just struck with, um, I think so much of what I can struggle with is like a a bracing myself of the unknown or the uncertainty or the things I'm afraid of, uh, you know, like like as though worrying about it mitigates <laughs> anything, yeah. but just seeing you there. In a social setting, coming in and out of grief, and you know, because it's not continuous, but when it does hit you, like fuck, Dave's dead. You know, yeah. it'll just come in like surprising times and surprising moments. But it, it's very much that grief is supposed to hurt. It's a, you're supposed to feel it, and it's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to be a freight train, and no amount of bracing yourself really helps or matters. It's really like like a, a useless kind of thing that anxious people can can fall prey to. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't help you. Yeah. I, but so, so that, that was kind of like one observation I was making. It's just, it's going to hit like a freight train when it hits. And it's supposed to hit. It's supposed to hurt. You're supposed to let yourself feel it and, and grieve it. Um, you showing up on the deck was actually a really good moment for me. Like probably one of the, the moments that stands out the most on the night. Because uh, it was pretty, I don't know. Like we were we were talking before and like, is Russ going to come? Does he not? Like I really hope he shows up. But... I understand if it doesn't and then you showed up and it was just like like inside I was feeling like like oh I'm so glad he showed up yeah it's really good to see him like you looked like you'd gotten the shit kicked out yeah. of you but you looked like you were happy to be there mm-hmm. like it was a little bit of weight off of you it was just a really s- sweet moment and I, and I was really genuinely happy to see you in a way that I, that I haven't been genuinely happy to see someone in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it was a moment that meant something to me just because, yeah, because 
our friendship felt really real for for a moment. I think mm-hmm. like that you felt like you needed to be there, and that it would be helpful. And then that we were also excited to see you. And yeah, yeah it was good. I was really happy that we so, talked some yeah. about the idea that uh, you know you had said. Well, Dave would have wanted me to come. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we speak about that, about people after they're gone, like what they would want from us. And it's kind of true because, I mean, I don't know, my, my wife really talks about what life would be like if each other passed and what we'd want for the other one of us and whatnot. But, but there, that is kind of true in that when you are medicating grief away, um, that's... That's an act of just, you know, selfish defense of not wanting to feel. And there is a there is a respect that is inherent in allowing yourself and having self control not to numb feeling the loss of someone because that's the that's feeling the true depth of the relationship because it is it is the loss of that. It's that you're never going to have that again. Yeah, it's a demarcation and, of importance. Yeah, it's yeah. Ex- exercising self control, and it's yeah, it's it's empathizing with them and their wishes instead of doing what will make you immediately feel better. Mm-hmm. And allowing yourself to feel it is admitting to yourself how important they were to you, mm-hmm. and numbing it is holding that back and saying no my me not feeling that is more important it's mm-hmm. literally kind of a moment of sobriety like I'm going to treat this seriously it's like when anything traumatic happens there's a, there's a strange clarity mm-hmm. in those moments that's mm-hmm. weird because your, your brain can't it doesn't do all those other things it does mm-hmm. where it goes other places it's, it's in that thing mm-hmm. I have to credit my wife too some like she she didn't you know, she didn't encourage me to come that night, but she also didn't, like, she encouraged me to, to she saw this as healthy, like, all right, if you're going to be with your friends, and I think she knows you guys a little bit, and she's listened to some of the podcasts, too, and, and she's met all you guys, um, but but that was a thing, too, which was really cool, like, she, uh, she just, you know, yeah, if you want to be with your friends tonight... That might be really good for you to. It's a healthy way to mm-hmm. to grieve as opposed to what I used to do, which was. I think she saw some of that. Like when I was hurting, I would just get angry, mm-hmm. or stuff it down, or drink it away. Do you think she was afraid of how you'd respond? I don't know. That's something I could ask her. But but I do know that she's. She's not afraid of you guys, which is a good thing, too. And she wasn't afraid of Dave. Dave quit drinking. He didn't smoke weed for a really long time. He did start again uh, towards the end there just because he quit trucking. It wasn't, like, excessive or crazy or anything like that. But he he, uh, he sobered up after our, our shit, you know, that we went through as, as, as teenagers and, and young men. And, and there wasn't a lot of people that my wife trusted in this world. That were my friends at that time. So when I met Dana, we got our own apartment together for a while. We lived together before we got married, you know, and living in sin, right? Um, a lot of my religious relatives didn't like that. But one of the things that happened was uh, some of my friends came over and were like locked themselves in the bathroom and were like shooting up, 
like Jesus and stuff like that. So that's who I was around when we first got married. I was always moving myself out of that culture of fucked upness, you know. Um, not that those people are fucked up. I mean, they're just medicating their pain, right? But the, but she didn't trust that. Like she was afraid of that. She was afraid of those friends. And I think for a long time in our life, and, and this kept me from having a lot of friends, was because I didn't want to. I didn't want to worry her so much by hanging out with other dudes like you guys, um, because it might worry her. But I think I, I got to a point where I had to. Like I need friends. I need people in my life. Because if I don't, not just because, well, I might self-destroy myself. No, it's just healthy. Like, this is good. This is life stuff. Yeah. You know, this is this is wealth to a certain degree for me that you can't measure with money or, or, or a fucking financial report. This is, this is valuable. And she saw that, too, that night and said, you know, go hang out with your friends if you, if you want to. And, and I thought that was really... Well, we had an exchange Powerful. about, like, one of my favorite films of all time is The Big Lebowski. Yeah. And, and oh, Dave was so fucking much like The Big Lebowski. Like, he's going to take it easy for us sinners. For all us sinners. <laughs> take it. That's Dave, man. So, like, oh, spoiler alert if anyone hasn't seen it. Yeah. But, but you know, that, that last scene, though, <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like one of my favorite films, like, of yeah. all time. And, it, it, you know, it's maybe some things I'm dealing with is I'm kind of dealing with some existential you know like my own humanity and grappling with life and death and grief and my own process but but that last sort of like like that scene to the end where where donnie dies and they're on the beach and they spread his ashes the dude and walter spread his ashes and the wind blows all the ashes in the dude's face and he gets pissed off at walter like jesus walter you know what are you doing and and walter just stands there like a lummox you know and, and and they they embrace yeah. And, uh, and and Walter's worst of the dude is you know fuck it dude let's go bowling yeah. and you being at my house was like fuck it dude let's go bowling yeah. you know because sometimes bowling quote is just hanging out with your friends and eating chicken wings yeah you know or, or watching a fight or watching a fight it, it's like it, it's watching like, the dude say my balls was hot <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying though like yeah, like, yeah. like it's, yeah. it's that sort of like like taking note and, and grieving but still living life still i.e. going bowling just, yeah. just doing the thing and uh, yeah so I, I was kind of living that a little bit with you that that night kind of yeah getting to be the the dude with you a little bit or something so it was yeah. sweet yeah that's good Chuck couldn't make it but that's okay we we missed you. We, I had the parent. You had the parent. <laughs> being a good dad. I thought about tying uh, them up and leaving, but yeah, <clears throat> bring them. No, no, that was frowned upon. It was stated very clearly. Uh, clearly, uh, yeah, Steve didn't want any children. There. No. <coughs> Steve hates kids. Yeah, Hail. Steve is in. and pugs. <laughs> pugs. Definitely yeah. pugs. He hates pugs. <laughs> John's got the pug. Uh. But I don't know. Is that a show or what? That's just I wanted to do a show on grief because I think that I don't know. Sometimes I do these things, these podcast projects and broadcasting, whatever it is. But some of my heart to it is like I didn't have a me when I was going through. Like I don't know how to fucking grieve. I lost friends, you know, when I was younger. Dave and I both did. We knew guys who fucking died. Death and grief is part of just my sort of. Like my makeup, uh, 
you know, I experienced death at a young age, losing like a close family friend in her 20s um, to leukemia. It was like the first death I ever experienced. I was probably like four or five years old. I remember the open casket funeral. Um, but then like, you know, my father died when I was 12. Uh, I was a pallbearer in one of my best friend's funerals and like I was only 20, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I had an adopted little sister die when she was three. Lost another friend that I was close with, um, like a young woman, like 19, 20 years old. So, like, young people dying, you know. It's like you expect yeah. old people to die, but when yeah. young people die, it's just, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's part of, like, what I was talking about earlier. Like, part of what that's done to me is sort of like a a bracing of the self, you know. Like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Or, oh, who am I going to lose? Like, just in my subconscious, I think that's just part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. And as I get older and as, like, those things start to loosen and I sort of hold relationships closely, but also with an open hand, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that, that people are precious and their presence in my life is a gift and, and you know, people come and go. But, but it, yeah, I, I guess it was just a, like a reminder that you can't brace yourself for it. You mm-hmm. just can't. You got to live your life. You can't brace yourself for grief. The unexpected happens. And when it does, you have to let it hurt. You have to feel the pain. And invest in it anyway. Yeah, really, that yeah, was a, yeah. That was a thought that went through my head, too, is, is even doing this and hanging out with you guys. Like, part of me went, well, that's what you get for having friends, dumbass. <laughs> right? It's easier. They're going to fucking die. I'm not going to get know? married. What's the point? She's just going to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. And it, it's like the value in it, and then you invest all this love and time and all that. And they just die. And, die. <laughs> and I thought about, you know, naming this episode Good Grief, but then part of me was like, I don't want to tell people, that was always a thing with me too, is like, don't tell me, don't should and ought to on me and how I should or ought to grieve. People projecting grief for sure. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is healthier, like fucking crying and and not, and being a, you know, because we're always, that's another thing, especially in American culture, maybe it's a Northwestern fucking rugged woodsy motherfucker thing is you're just not supposed to fucking feel shit or don't cry right be a man like fuck all that that doesn't that doesn't fucking work you just end up stuffing it away somewhere and you gotta deal with it later I had a question on that and maybe to not to like depersonalize this but I I want you to answer it in in the context of this in the context of your your trauma in the past, and, and I'm kind of interested in what you others think too, because I was thinking about this as we were talking about this idea of, of trauma and how traumatizing death is. But you know, you're you're talking about working through it and how it and what's healthier. And then it was mentioned earlier how traumas that you don't that you don't deal with stick with you. You mm-hmm. know, it puts the pause button mm-hmm. as we were talking about. I was kind of wondering: is the idea of PTSD kind of a misnomer? Like. Like the, the idea of post-traumatic stress disorder, as if it's a disorder, is it? Is it really a disorder, or is it really just the inevitable result of pushing a pause button? Like yeah. if you don't yeah. deal so with a trauma, I, it's not a disorder. You just didn't fucking deal with it. Mm-hmm. There's something called I, limbic memory, and it gets lodged in the limbic memory if you don't deal with it. Yeah, like is that actually a disorder? Or is that just not dealing with it? I think they've started changing the name about that, actually. They call it trauma or getting rid of the... It started out as shell shock, which maybe is more accurate. (laughs) Like, right, World War II. They're shell shock. They have shell shock. 
And maybe that's just, you know, dealing with it in a healthy way is not the disorder part. Well, there is no pre-traumatic, so that, <laughs> that's not really a thing. Like, that's just called <coughs> life. Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Being but, but no, you have to go to your past lives. That's pretty traumatic. Past lives. Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> You're all my past lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do you feel like you're saying this is healthier? Did your other traumas stick around a lot longer? Because you oh, didn't feel like yeah, yeah, big time. Mm-hmm. And then they almost like grew, grew roots, you know. Yeah. I remember that that scene in uh, the movie, uh, that fucking uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, right, where they're on the ghost trip, and the guy goes to try and find his dad, and there's people that are have been on the the ship so long that they're a part of it, you know. Like this guy, like all of a sudden, sticks his head out from the wall. He's got fucking barnacles all over him and shit. Like you know, like that's that's a lot of that's a lot of addicts. They just you just stuff it for so long, you start to meld into. That's a lot of normal people too. Yeah, you know, it's not just addicts. Not just addicts. But I think, yeah. and I think you're surprised when you run into normal people, though, right? Like, you know somebody for a little while. Maybe you work with them. Maybe they work somewhere that you att- go to regularly, and then like you find one of their landmines. Yeah. And then, like, they just do something that seems really out of character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's like, yeah, I stepped on that landmine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a subtle, well, maybe not so subtle, but I, I, I think, I, I don't know, for me it might be helpful to flesh out what, what I'm hearing from you, Russ, isn't that you came over to hang out, you know, we had a little get-together. It wasn't like... I want to get drunk, but I'm not because I want to honor Dave. That's not what I'm hearing you say. No. What I'm hearing you say is, is I didn't even want to because because there's something in you that's recognizing it. It's just healthy to just sit in it and just yeah. be with it. So it, it's not like, yeah, that's not like something you're really, quote, wrestling with as much as it's just wanting to own it and sit with it and be with it. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think that might be a, a distinction to make because you're kind of describing maybe something in the past where you would have drowned your sorrows, but I'm not hearing you say that you were tempted to do that per se. It's just that yeah. you, w- what's changed is maybe even that desire is not even there to yeah, drown yeah. the sorrows. So it sounds like you have that expectation that I might do this. Yeah. And, and it's okay. Well, and then I it's, 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 like, like, yeah, it's so okay. It's, it's almost like the idea came into your head. Like yeah. your body was presenting you with this mm-hmm. and then you're like, Wait yeah, that's an idea. <laughs> I've done it before. I, yeah, I know how to. Do, I know how yeah, to yeah. use this. I might even get there. I might even. I might. And my oh, friends would be cool with that too. That's another so thing. Much other things like you're not do. a bunch of fucking church people who are going to judge me for it later or something. You know. No, like, I even offered to give you a ride home. To, home. <laughs> we really need to talk about you taking off your pants, putting on a lampshade on the coffee table. There are some boundaries, but why'd you take off your pants, Ross? I'm really glad. If I did that, I'm really glad. Glad that I did not grow up right in. Didn't he just see rest of the land? His balls were hot. His balls were hot. No, I didn't do that. That's my point, is I didn't do that. And, yeah. and uh, it's not because I should on myself not to. It's because I knew... And you've done a lot of work to get there. Yeah, fuck, you know. I guess that's part of the work, right? Like, that's part of the... You know, going to places that I didn't want to go and facing demons I didn't want to face. Did it surprise you? 
Yeah, kind of. It, it surprised me today. Because I, I was able to kind of stave off the... So I had to change the oil in my van. Like, I first I changed the oil in my van. And then I went and laid on the bed. And then I texted my wife about seeing this car and that whole shit. And then my wife said, uh, I don't know, something about how, how did that feel. And then I just fucking lost it and laid there and cried for about it. 15 minutes. Sobbed. It's almost like the the, the fucking waterfall came. Because mm-hmm. I... Cause I is that just like a dude thing? Arthur shared a really cool email from a listener. Um, a woman. And it was cool to hear her see guys being vulnerable. And, and that builds some trust in her, which I think is beautiful. And thank you for that. Um, because I envied women... <laughs> Like, women are way better at this shit than we are. For sure. They have the freedom to be emotional. Oh, fuck, man. I gotta gotta do this thing. I gotta finish changing my fucking oil, you know? What the fuck is that? Man, but that's okay. Cool. Like, it's better than smoking a big old fucking crack rock, which I used to do. Uh, and I don't do that anymore, which I, I count as a win. So. Yeah. That stigma is changing, though, too. Um, so, two weekends ago, I went to White Raven. Um, the and to Alaska? No, no. To, they came here. They came to okay. Washington. No, I'm not going to Alaska. <laughs> That's a plane ride. Maybe. For <laughs> men are men and women win the Iditarod. But um, so the year before when I went the first time, it was predominantly women. There were a few men there. Um, I didn't realize that. And this time it was probably split fifty-fifty. And when you're in Alaska, it's maybe maybe 10% is men. And they said that it's been starting to turn. Like, it used to be just no men would ever go there. Wow. And now they're really starting to see the... Explain um, for listeners what White Raven is, in case people don't know. <laughs> so look it up. Episode thirteen. Yeah, Google it. Google it. Fucking hard to explain. White Raven is a mental outpatient facility. They it's very use, They use rapid transformation therapy. They make you feel. They make you feel. Yes. By very Indian kind of. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Native Alaskan. Um, shamanic 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 sorry (laughs) there is a lot of weird like praying um, prayer chants and songs that they do before and after which I never understood but okay like whatever Um, they do that at ceremony it's just historic yeah Yeah. ritual is just a thing it's what we do I just don't understand their words because I don't know the language so that's well. It's cool that there's more dudes there, you know. But yeah, that's. Yeah. Were they older guys or younger guys or a little bit mix of the both? Mix. Okay. Yeah. If you Google it, Google White Raven Center. Oh yeah. 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 There's a whole yeah, story right. about the White Raven. Yeah. Which no one cares about. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good. To, it's good. You guys are. Do you think you'll always be surprised on the way you handle grief moving forward? No, because I think this is a chapter in my life that I can look at and go, "Oh, like you know, that's that's different." Is the surprise built around the fact that you're healing it healthier than you maybe expected yourself to? 
Yeah. Congratulations. And some of it's losing my religion, too, to be honest, because I think a lot of that was unhealthy. Like, there was a lot of shame in there. There was a lot of expectations and who you should be socially, uh, which I, you know, fuck all. Well, should we have the evangelical conversation and talk about, like, whether he's in heaven or not? Fuck no. What if no. they're the same place, <laughs> Arthur? <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 I was really nice guy in the room. I've been bracing <laughs> myself You're for that, too. You're wearing that now as a badge of honor? You know what? <laughs> like, I've been bracing myself for that, too. Is Because I said some shit on Facebook, you know? So I like to do that on Facebook just to fuck with people, because Facebook is such a... Russ likes to emote on Facebook. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Well, it's, it's like, because it's Cause such that's a, what it was designed for. <laughs> it comes <laughs> close, actually. Yeah. Well, it's designed, well, like, a lot of people just uh, share their highlight reel, right? Like, here's my life, and here's how awesome. Here I am in Fiji, and look at me. <laughs> taking a selfie in front of fucking Ken Griffey Jr. statue <laughs> of the place. And, and, and I thought, well, you know, this is a good place to... Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting place to share that my fucking friend died. And I'm sad about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of people who commented, and, and some people sent me some private messages. And no one did this, but I was just bracing myself for, did he know Jesus? Like, it, which is always is the you know the back and back of that is, did he go to heaven? Like that kind of thing. Like, like fuck you. I don't know. I, like I love you and fuck you. Like I, I think I can get to that place emotionally where I'm at right now. I can say, you know what? I love you for asking it, but fuck you. You don't know my friend. You don't know what he's been through. And so, you know, I think that God loves us anyway. I mean, that whole, that whole fucking thing is just, is just stupid. Well, it really is something that, that a lot of people that, that messes, that messes with, with, messes, with yeah, a religious or an all. evangelical person's grief. You know, it does. It can, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And. Yeah. <laughs> so are you learning to be? There, we, there's a, there's a Jesus like the lot was the last thing he says before he's crucified. He's like, forgive them; they don't know what they're doing. But he's going to throw a bunch of people in hell because they didn't perform right. Like I don't. It just no. doesn't. The that, cognitive dissonance around they didn't, they didn't. That's my benediction of all Facebook. <laughs> forgive them for they don't know what they do. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, Arthur. Uh, it's a good place oh, for Joe. man. I was told that humor is the the number one defense mechanism of not feeling. You know why? Because it works. Yeah, stand up comedians are. My brain's not evolved enough to be able to cry and laugh at the same time. So. <laughs> yeah, I post. I've done it. I post that. tons of memes from cheerful nihilism. Mm-hmm. The chick that runs that website, man, she's my spirit. It's <laughs> 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 great. We get her on the show. We yeah. should try. She lives in Florida, but she's probably looking for a new house right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dark. How many storms? You need to we have some shitty weather here, but it ain't like Mike that. is kicking her ass. <laughs> yeah. See, she would think that comment was funny. Yeah. She'd make a meme out of it. Yeah. What was that? Uh, if you take a shit at twelve fifty, if you take a shit, it'll, it, if, you, if you're on the toilet at eleven fifty nine, yeah. and the clock turns midnight, is that same shit different day? <laughs> if you haven't flushed it yet, I think that's part of it. Oh um, boy! <laughs> so yeah, flushing yeah, my religion, I think, is part of what we could take away. I don't know. We're, 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 no man, just I train wrecked this podcast. It was awesome. It was Good great. Job. Thanks for sharing what you. Anybody else you lose, loss, or anything like? I got something. Much like death, sometimes things just end. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. 
a huge bitch. Thanks for listening to Pontheology. Don't forget to subscribe, like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! First of all, I plead innocent of all charges. This disc contains CD-ROM data and is not for audio use. Please press stop on your disc player now.